Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the ninth episode of Eastern Conference Confidential, your favorite podcast on the beautiful game network of podcasts, of which we just uh, added another one. Story for a different time. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Evan Malella, joined uh, as per usual, not all the time, by uh, Ryan Allen, Brendan Doherty, and joining us from Ours is the Fury, our, uh, our new favorite Scott by way of Canada, uh, is Stuart. How are you guys doing? Doing well. doing well. I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Good. Um, I, I really don't like doing this to people, but uh, I think we're going to have to take a backseat to our guests for the second week in a row. Uh, and it, the good news is no one lost their job this week, um, to my knowledge. You know, like maybe in like a front office position, but nothing, uh, no coaches got fired. However, uh, the old guard shield is a thing now. Uh, started by Charleston, Richmond, Rochester, Pittsburgh, and Harrisburg supporters groups. Uh, it was actually formed by the Riverhounds. Uh, it's pretty much just the old guard of USL. Um, 12 league titles between five franchises. Uh, you know, everyone that's been there since uh, the 90s, uh, basically just saying, hey, it's really weird that there's all these new clubs that just started out in the last seven years now. Uh, we're going to make a thing. And they made it. Uh, and the impressive thing was that none of the clubs knew about it until this morning. So, guys, your, your thoughts. I guess, Brendan, you're actually involved in this, so that's a good place to start. Um, actually, I didn't know anything about it until this morning either. So, True. good job on them. Uh, I'm pretty good friends with the, the head of Flower City Stampede, or the guy who runs things sometimes. Um but he just teased that some big news was coming at the end of this week. Um, didn't really specify what it was. Um, but no, this is really cool. Um, you see a lot, of, a lot of the new teams that come in, come in with big money, um, looking, at, uh, looking at Cincinnati. Um, so in a way, this is no, the, no the last there. chance that some of these teams have to relive their former glory as before they get blown out of the water by, by teams with more money. Wow. That was dark. That was a lot bleaker than a lot of the, the sentiment I got today just talking to these supporters groups. So way to come in and really, you know, just, just bring the hammer down. Well, now you got to bring out the sunshine. What are, what are some of your anecdotes from those guys? Um, Christian earlier today told me that he runs things sometimes for you guys. Um, and then there's actually a physical shield, which I thought was impressive, given that they probably could have, you know, like put some tinfoil together and... Uh, Call it a shield and have been been pretty all right. <laughs> Ryan, anything to, to add? Yeah, I mean, so you I, could chime in too. I, I just don't, <laughs> you know, you're you're you know way up in the north. Yeah, I think it's a good way to for these clubs to honor their history. Obviously, all of them have been cornerstones of the USL prior to 2011 and have been a very instrumental in getting the league to its point. I mean, just a way to pay homage to the tradition of the league and each of these clubs' tradition of success, more or less, for most of them. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing this comp competition this year. And then I, I guess in, in other news, we... Uh... We have to appease Brendan every every week by letting him talk about the new signings in <laughs> Rochester. This week, I will say, is different because I can say 
Christian Pulisic, his father, is joining USL. Right. Um, I guess rejoining USL because he yeah. was an assistant coach for, for Harrisburg. Um, but, yeah, um, Christian Pulisic's dad, Mark, who um, coached in, in PA, he actually coached the, the youth team that Christian played on for a while. Um, came back from a short coaching stint for Borussia Dortmund's youth team. And so far in Rochester, he's been really focusing on like technical aspects. Um, I had an opportunity to sit behind some of the, the Rochester players who weren't playing in tonight's preseason friendly. Um, and they were, were reliving some of the uh, very difficult kind of technical aspects. You know, shimmy three steps this way, then jump up for a header, then shimmy two steps this way. Um, whatever that's supposed to do, it's working. Um, players seem to like it um, and Bob Lilly had nothing but great things to say about Mark Pulisic uh, joining the, the coaching staff um, they actually you know have been longtime friends I think they went to college together um, so it's cool for the two of them to, to rejoin in, in their professional capacities great we've indulged Brendan uh, <laughs> now now we get to go to the part that, that we're all excited about Uh Hey, Stuart, welcome to, to USL. Um, welcome. Yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good to have you. Uh, another Canadian team. Well, we lost one, then we gained one, so we're, we're even. Um, I don't know, just, just give everyone an intro to, to the Ottawa Fury themselves and, and maybe a little bit about um, uh, why you guys are here. Yeah, so basically the whole Fury story started in... 2005 actually when the current president John Pugh bought a woman's team that was in Ottawa um, eventually he bought a team that played in the PDL and they played up until uh, 2013 when they stopped playing in the PDL and he was able to buy the franchise for the NASL um, they carried the name over uh, they kind of rebranded the team had a new logo uh, got a new stadium uh, linked with the CFL team the Red Blacks and from there, they went to an NASL championship final where they lost against the Cosmos. Uh, they played three years in the NASL, and then I think they somewhat foresaw what was coming this past winter and were able to jump ship along with Tampa Bay Rowdies before everything kind of imploded. And, uh, yeah, they find themselves in the USL now, somehow still in the second division soccer. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's, the, uh, that's the real big takeaway is that you guys, you guys moved – uh, but you really didn't go anywhere. Uh, maybe a little bit farther ahead of where you were with the NASL, but uh, pretty lateral movement. That being said, I uh, think in Ryan, the I uh, think in Ryan, the long term it helps out so much more. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Uh, the NASL is that's a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, would you like to 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 read? Uh, Stewart off what he knows about his team but but for everybody else uh, there's some some nice stats going on here yeah so through their three seasons they had 89 matches of record of one, lo- one draw loss record of 29 27 and 33 he scoring 108 goals with only with 101 against so plus seven goal difference throughout uh, 2014 2015 2016. They made the playoffs during the 2015 season after winning the fall championships. And they also compete within the Canadian championships, where as of this past season, they lost in the semifinals to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, 
and over those 89 uh, games, they average 1.28 points per game. For those, for people might be wondering, why is there a fall championship? Great question. I don't really. Uh, yeah, uh, the NASL splits their season up into two smaller seasons, and if you, you win the spring one, you get you get into the playoffs. If you win the fall one, you get into the playoffs, and then from there, it's just you know whoever uh, whoever played the best. Um, Stewart, I, I guess you know you're the you're the other NASL club joining USL. You guys get a little bit uh, overshadowed, at least in in my opinion. Not that I don't think you'll be a good club uh, by the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, that being said, uh, your head coach was last seen in USL with the the Austin Aztecs, who are not a thing anymore. Um, have you guys seen that? Maybe have a uh, I don't want to say the I word. Uh, has that affected your transition at all from NASL to USL? I don't think it's had much of an impact. I'll say it. There you um, go. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you did. <laughs> No, you know, I think the club's in a really good position right now. I think when Dalglish came in at the beginning of last year, it was a lot of turmoil. Um, the NASL, I don't think, was quite the league for them, and I think the club kind of knew it at that time. Um, I think they already had kind of the wheels in motion going towards the USL, and last year was just trying to get through the year and maybe build some foundation for the USL. But going into this year, I think uh, Doug Leach knows the league very well. He knows what's expected. Um, and I think he's built a team that's more capable of battling in the USL compared to the NASL. Yeah. Uh, so, and then the other big part of this is, you know, obviously in the NASL, that's, those, those are all independent clubs. Um, so you guys go from that to being, you know, maybe kind of sort of rivals with, the impact um, to being the affiliates of them, uh, which I was surprised by, but I know you know that kind of had to be a thing given the the impacts, uh, you know, admittance in the in the MLS. Yeah, it's weird how a lot of the Ottawa Fury player our fans will look at the other Canadian teams and see them as rivals. Uh, we haven't actually played Montreal Impact yet, but. It's kind of odd in Ottawa because we're right between Toronto and Montreal. And before there was Ottawa Fury, there's Toronto FC and Montreal Impact and Vancouver Whitecaps. So there's people who support those teams before Fury was really a uh, popular thing in the city. So you get these people who are big Toronto FC fans beforehand, so they hate the impact. So they're very upset that Fury <laughs> have made this um, partnership or this affiliation with the team that they don't like. And then there's a vice versa you have impact fans who are very happy. But I think in general, the important thing for Fury was staying independent and ensuring that we get full autonomy over our club and Dalglish gets to choose the players that we bring in from the impact. I think that was a big part of it. Yeah, I know, uh, I know uh, a, a, lot of times, a lot of times. Um, um, Brendan and Ryan, you guys could probably speak to this better than I can, just because, uh, you know, Bethlehem set up a lot differently, but uh, with, with Rochester and the Revolution, and then with Wilmington and New York City when that was around, um, that was a big point of, I don't want to say contention, but there was a lot of, um, there was a lot left to, to be uh, filled there. 
Phil between those, those between two those affiliates. Two affiliates. Yeah, in the yeah, first in the couple of years, years um, um, what, a couple of the players that New England sent down to Rochester, um, they just weren't good enough for a USL squad. Nobody has any idea what they were doing in an MLS team when they couldn't make the, the starting 11 or even the bench on a USL team. Um, and then last year, uh, New England only sent three players. They were all on road games. They met Rochester on the road. They never stepped foot in Rochester. Um, it's not, not the best arrangement. Um, and I mean, but nothing beats that the, the NYCFC loan down when, when they played Red Bulls too. Yeah, that was during the 2015 season, which technically that year was the first win, but a lot of people in Wilmington don't declare it that because it was just NYCFC players wearing the Wilmington crest, but the affiliation deal with NYCFC was just only on paper. They sent us no players throughout the season, and a few of the players of the Hammerheads signed got to be trialists for the club after, played in a few friendlies, but... I guess as an example of the MLS-USL affiliation, the Hammerheads uh, NYCFC deal was at the worst possible scenario on the spectrum. Maybe over-exaggerating. I think the Fury scenario benefits Ottawa a lot more than some of the other um, affiliations we've seen in the past because Ottawa, from my understanding, Doug Leach has full autonomy over his squad, so he gets to choose the players that come from Montreal um for montreal impact and the three that he's chosen from my understanding have actually signed with ottawa um i don't think it's just a an affiliation deal i think they're actually a part of the club they will train with the club they'll travel with the club um they may be people who will sit on the bench and they might not necessarily start games if any but that's what they're coming for they're coming for depth players and for ottawa fury it's more just bringing in three players so that the impact can say, hey, we have an affiliate in the USL. And I think that's basically all it is. Um, and then I guess on the on the other side of the coin, so to speak, uh, top of your head, it just doesn't have to be an exact, how many guys did you, I guess, retain from the NASL team uh, last year? Sorry, how many guys did we... Did you keep? Did you did you retain? I didn't want to say bring over because it's not quite that easy. I think it was around seven. Okay. Seven or eight. Okay. But a lot of the kind of I don't want to say bigger guys, but the guys that were on bigger contracts and who are considered starters, a lot of them. Because I know last year. In Bethlehem, we had, we had I'm, I'm only saying this because we had Ryan Ricker, who was with the, the Union draft pick, then got sent up to Toronto, and then they loaned him to Ottawa, and then he stayed there for, for a little bit for you guys. Uh, he and then uh, Mickey Daly ended up being probably two of the better defenders in the league. I'm biased. Uh, and then we shipped uh, – Richter went out to the Cosmos, which is the NASL's favorite NASL club, and the uh, then Carolina Railhawks, now Carolina uh, North Carolina FC – um, so the, the quality of play there isn't alarmingly different, I don't think. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to hear you guys kept seven. Um, and then I know you've added a, a fair amount of guys. Um, any, anybody in the group that you brought in that were maybe in USL last year that kind of stand out to you before the season starts? Um, I can't remember where they're all playing last year. Oh, also, there's a right answer to that question. And yeah, the yeah. correct oh, answer I... to that question is Steven Umberto Fortes Dubo dos Santos. There you go. 
I'm sorry. I should have mentioned that that was going to come up in conversation. <laughs> that doesn't have to be the right answer. It's just you know, um, we the the players that Ottawa Fury got rid of from the NASL were often players that were nearing the end of their career. Players that I would say were probably 27 and over. Okay. Um, and I think the big difference between the NASL and the USL is the youth, and obviously that's going to come with having affiliate and academy clubs so i think the players that ottawa fury brought in are very youthful um in terms of exciting people there is there's del campo uh there's del santo or dos santos the new forward um callum irving who's just stepping into the canadian national scene a goalkeeper we brought him in i think he's going to be the new the new starting keeper um He was a he's a woman. That's about eight hundred people. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Jamaican and USL narrows it down to like, you know, <laughs> six hundred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Andre. Um, was, uh, but yeah, there's um, a lot of uh, there's a lot of athletic and strong players that are being brought in. When I've seen them play live, the one time this year, I noticed the size of the club has definitely uh, increased quite a lot, and so has the mm. the youth of the club. I think they're probably on average a good three or four years younger than last year. I think I saw a video that the the club put out where um, I think new club captain uh, Lance Roseboom was talking about how the team was was younger, it was faster. There was a lot of energy in the in training. Um, what have you thought about Roseboom? He had two seasons in Rochester. I think one of those years it was Rochester's worst season ever. Um, <laughs> but he was he was always a good player he had a year in austin in between and then he, he signed with with ottawa a couple years ago right yeah i think he's good um <clears throat> i think the what he provides is the leadership from the midfield but he also has mm-hmm. that youth that ottawa fury haven't had in their previous captains uh, we had richie ryan who he's still playing but i think he's over his he's well over 30 now uh julian de guzman who obviously just retired um, they're both great leaders, both great captains, but they're at their end of their career. And what Lance Roseboom does is provide that youth um, leadership. He has a lot of fresh ideas. He can play midfield. He can play defense. He can play right, left. Uh, he can fill in in a lot of places. Uh, he was the Austin Aztecs captain when Dalgleish was there. Uh, he was brought in last year, and I think he was... There were so many leaders within the group last year, I don't think he was ever really considered for the armband, but... I might be corrected here, but I think on one occasion at least he was given the armband when someone was substituted off. So he was obviously someone considered a leader in the team last year. And uh, he seemed to love the city when he was here last year. He's always posting pictures online, uh, him and his wife out <laughs> on the city. And a lot of people when they come to Ottawa seem to really enjoy um, what the city has to provide for them and their families. We've had a lot of players who have stayed here probably a year or two more than they normally would have because... They enjoy having their kids in the schools here and what the city provides. And I think he's someone who's fitting in really well. He, I think he does a lot of community work as well when he's not. Um, when... Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I just kind of wonder, and, and obviously it's, it's a different uh, setup now between the two of you. Uh, what was it like, you know, in the process of jumping, uh, well, maybe, you know, like strafing over from NASL to USL, 
not only just in the community, but but also you know knowing that you're doing it uh, at the same time as as Tampa Bay, who is also in that league, and and you know what was Ottawa's record like against the Rowdies in NASL, and and was there any um, you know maybe was there was there a fear in a way that you guys would be kind of uh, outdone by by Tampa Bay? I don't think there's much of a rivalry at Tampa Bay or that we'd be outdone. Uh, they had a bigger payroll than Ottawa Fury. Mm-hmm. And by bigger, I mean I would probably guess five, between five and ten times more than Ottawa Fury. Well, Fury had a very, very dollar, small yeah. budget. Canadian dollars. Uh, Canadian dollars dollar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I don't think we had the greatest record against them. I think they probably had the better of us. Um, we had some good games, but there are never anybody that I'd really consider a rival. Um, so going over, I don't think that rivalry will transpire. Um, but I think for the fans and the community moving over, it was it was an emotional roller coaster because I I had tweeted out the news that Ottawa Fury was leaving the NASL and looking at the USL well before the club and the league were ready to announce it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of speculation as to why Ottawa Fury would want to do that. I don't think a lot of people had seen the full... Sure. picture with the nasl yet and how many clubs were actually close to folding and how many clubs were close to leaving um, yeah that was a couple of months before like the really bad stories came out about the nasl right yeah like i think i broke the story in september and i think oh, okay. the ottawa fury announced right either before or after the nasl final that they were leaving so that would have been first couple of weeks in november yeah. and pretty much right then it was New York Cosmos are failing to pay their players. Um, you had Minnesota yeah, United Lauderdale, was leaving. Lauderdale. You had Ottawa Fury was leaving. Tampa Bay was leaving. Um, Rail OKC, no Lauderdale. one really knew what was yeah. going on. And it was just yeah. an yeah. absolute disaster. And I think once the, once the walls started to kind of crumble uh, mm-hmm. for the NASL, I think a lot of the Ottawa Fury fans kind of stood back and said, okay, maybe this is the right move. Um, yeah. But at the time when it was first announced, I think a lot of people just saw it as, why are we jumping from Division 2 down to Division 3? Mm-hmm. And why are we playing independent clubs to go into play academy clubs? But now if you look at everything that's transpired after six months later, or roughly six months later, and everyone sees that we're still in Division 2, we are still an independent club, we're in a league that's a lot more stable, um, that has, as a supporter, has teams that are a lot closer that I can go... Uh, go visit away games. I'm coming to Rochester. Watch out. Uh, so it's a so it's a lot. I'm excited. Um, I was a bit skeptical at first, but I'm very excited now. And I think it's a uh, sure. In terms of the longevity of the club, I think that's the move to the USL has ensured that for Ottawa Fury that they will still have a club around for quite a few years yet. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a question about that kind of swirling around in those same months whether Ottawa. Fury was going to be connected to the Canadian Premier League if that happens if there was a different team in Ottawa that wasn't going to be the Fury that was going to be in the CPL and then whether going to USL was like a stopgap measure you're just trying to save cash for two years before the CPL starts up I mean is, is that based in reality or were those just you know rumors online uh, so the rumors about the the Canadian Premier League have pretty much come out of Toronto. Um, and a lot of people there have sources around Canada who are saying, here's the cities that are 
possible going to have um, Canadian Premier League teams if the league does come around. So there's been um, as far west as Victoria and as far east as Halifax and all these different cities in between have been named. Ottawa, Fury, or Ottawa was one of those uh, cities that was always named. Um, now people kind of associated that with Ottawa Fury automatically being a part of that. So when the Canadian Premier League rumors were going around, people were just basically saying Ottawa Fury needs to hold on until the CPL is ready. Um, from my understanding, from my talkings with people inside the club, I don't think Ottawa Fury's ever had any intention of joining the Canadian Premier League, and it doesn't necessarily have any intention of doing that right now. I think they're in the in it for the long haul with the USL. Um, if I remember correctly, someone in the club had actually tweeted, someone who works for the club had actually tweeted out saying, why would we pay millions of dollars to transfer a league just to leave it again in two years? <laughs> um, I mean, millions. Of, if they're saying millions of dollars, I mean, our payroll for the year we made it to the championship final, I think, was only $800,000. So, wow. And the New York Cosmos were paying Raul a million. Yeah. <laughs> that same year so it just shows where Fury were in budget wise I think they're doing a, a little bit better now um, but they still have mm. quite a ways to go so I think they're looking at the longevity the business wise and if the Canadian Premier League does come about in the next couple of years I've I've been hearing it's probably still a couple of years away um, if it does come around I can see Ottawa Fury staying staying back for a couple of years and waiting for the league to stabilize and see if it is something that's going to have longevity before Ottawa Fury decide that that's going to be something they want to take part in. But as far as my understanding, they're they're joining the USL and they're looking to do that for for the long term. Yeah, that's great. As long as you guys stop signing as as guys former stop Rhinos players, that's former great. Players. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like you gotta, you know, where else are they gonna pull you know, from? That's the closest city. So, like, <laughs> so like, it just makes sense. You come you up, up a little bit, little and, bit and then you're there. I do think it's funny, Steve. Go, ahead. Go for it, sorry. Go for it, sorry. Well, the I thing with the, uh, funny that you said Halifax. Oh, we did it again. Oh, my God. All right, I'm done. Here. <laughs> no, I was going to say is with Toronto and Montreal probably not getting Canadian Premier League teams, or if they do, they definitely won't be the biggest teams in the city because of the MLS teams in those cities. Um, I think having Ottawa in the Canadian Premier League, if the league's going to work out, is essential because they need that team kind of in eastern Ontario between Montreal and Toronto. Otherwise, you're just looking at teams in Quebec City, and then the next team closest by would be smaller teams in Montreal and Toronto and then out west. Kingston. So <laughs> I think having Ottawa Fury in the Premier League is important. But uh, but who knows? Maybe the Rochester Rhinos want to come up and join the Canadian Premier League. Oh, turn them into the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Oh. Uh, no, I, I thought it was funny that uh, that you said Halifax, given that uh, I've been there. Hi, Josh. And, um, it, like, where are they going to put a team there? Like, on the Citadel? Like, for some of these really tiny, like, Canadian cities, and not that that's, you know, okay, for some of these tinier, greater metropolitan areas, uh, <laughs> like, where do you even put a team? And, like, is the interest there? Uh I, I just I don't see how the the Canadian Premiership can even have a jumping off point right now, given that that all the I mean besides Edmonton at this point Not all heard. the biggest clubs are uh, already in either MLS or they have uh, affiliate deals with with MLS clubs. I've always been somewhat skeptical of the Canadian Premier League and how it's going to work. Um, there's always been these rumors coming out 
that it's a thing, it's going to happen, it's got this financial backing. I've always somewhat questioned that, but these rumors just <laughs> seem to keep coming and coming and coming, so there's got to be some substance to it. But uh, what I keep hearing is that they've got big financial backers, likely having teams associated with CFL teams in each city. So there's a CFL team in Calgary, there's a CFL team in Edmonton, there's a CFL team, and what would happen is all the Canadian Premier League teams would play in their stadiums, and their owners would own their team. So like I mentioned earlier, Ottawa Fury is owned by OSEG, which is Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group. And OSEG owns three sports franchises. They own the Ottawa Red Blacks, who play in the CFL. They own the Ottawa Fury, who play in the USL. And they own a, a junior hockey team, Ottawa 67s, who play in the Ontario Hockey League. So I think the plan is if the Canadian Premier League does jump off, um, I think they said the headquarters for it would be in Hamilton. And I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which is a CFL Canadian football team, um, I think they're trying to get, they just got a new stadium and they want to have a soccer team come in and play there and they want it to kind of be the forefront of the Canadian Premier League. But as for the travel and where all this money is going to come from, they need to have decent TV contracts and everything like that. So I think the best for Fury right now is to, to do what I said I think they're doing and that's just kind of float with the USL for a while and see how that goes if the Canadian Premier League works out great if not then they've got a sure footing in yeah I mean it's definitely a situation where the CPL needs Ottawa more than Ottawa needs the CPL mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, I mean really you could say the CPL needs all of those teams more right. than they need the CPL because uh, uh, right now, spoiler alert, sorry uh, people in Toronto that really want this. They're doing fine without it. Uh, so, yeah, no, uh, it, I'm, I'm glad that I finally get to, to hear kind of a uh, maybe outsider's insider perspective, perhaps, on the, on the CPL. Because as, a, as an American uh, living in the, the mid-Atlantic, I suppose, it's always been very like, well, how many people actually want that? And, you know, like... Is it going to look like the NHL teams up there? And, and there's a lot of what ifs. And and, and it doesn't help you know, that every every story that it tries to explain it just says, "Oh, there's some shady businessmen with millions of dollars." It or like doesn't buy our name t- where the money's coming from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like buy our T-shirt. Some shadowy figures. Yeah. From what I had heard, the Canadian Premier League, the first idea about it had come about being a, either a division or a conference or part of the NASL as some sort of entity. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And it would, they're trying to get some teams in Hamilton, Ottawa, maybe Toronto, Montreal, and kind of start a little conference where um, basically they would play interleague play against other NASL teams, but also play against each other, and the top finishing Canadian team would get a trophy and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think it really panned out because NASL started to flush itself down the toilet. Um, and I think for Ottawa Fury now, the CPL the direction has changed so much. There's so many whispers about it, but nothing's really happening. So I think they're going with a certain plan. And uh, I don't really see the USL or the NASL at this point kind of taking on a Canadian division or a Canadian conference at any point. And it makes sense. The USL with at least Toronto FC2 already has a rivalry within the country. And then at least natural rivals around Rochester, Red Bulls too, various other teams in the region. So I definitely believe this move is definitely is best for the club. Mm-hmm. 
you said that it doesn't it doesn't look like USL or NESL would have a Canadian conference soon. Um, USL couldn't expand into Canada because CSA wouldn't sanction teams at the D3 level, but they they would sanction teams at a D2 level, so that's not an issue anymore. Yeah, I'm not too sure how that worked out because originally they had said, like the CSA, uh, the Canadian Soccer Association, had said that they wouldn't um, designate independent clubs in D3. They would do Toronto FC 2, they do FC Montreal, they do Impact Academy, but they wouldn't do it for an independent club. Same with the Canadian Premier League. They Or sorry, same with the um, Canadian Championship, the Voyagers Cup. They said that they would allow independent clubs in there but they would not allow any us or any msl affiliates and mm-hmm. somehow ottawa fury um i guess they're just the csa is siding with them in a lot of ways because they've decided to allow ottawa fury to be in quote-unquote independent club joining the usl but still remain a quote-unquote affiliate club and be within the canadian championship um, so it seems almost at times they can be one and not the other, and then mm. vice versa. And it's the CSA is kind of agreeing with them in both ways. Uh, so we'll see how that works. I'm not quite sure if the Division Two standing for the USSF decision had any say really if the CSA was going to sanction Ottawa yeah, right, right. in is the it, USL or not. It, but, yeah, it was yeah, dependent it was upon, upon CSA sanctioning. Yeah, but I think the CSA. Uh, I think they'd just be right out stupid if they were going to. Tell Ottawa Fury, sorry, but you can't make the move. We're going to tell your club that they can no longer play football next year because Ottawa Fury have done, uh, I'm quite proudly to say, quite a lot for Canadian soccer in the last couple of years, uh, especially with Julian de Guzman being at the club and now in an assistant coaching role. Mm-hmm. And it would also, would also be, be really, really weird, weird to have, to have a, a domestic cup with five teams. <laughs> like and they did it for a while. Yeah. And it was, yeah. It's pretty it's lame. It's weird enough as it's it is now, as now as with the now, whole, you know, like, oh, like, here, oh, here. Uh, uh, Toronto, you get a first round bye. Um, and, the, you know, so it's weird enough now with six, but, like, with five, like, I, how would just three teams play at one time? Whoever wins comes out on top, I guess. Um, yeah, but from what it sounds like you're saying, you know, it's, it's like the CSA is siding with Fury at their convenience, almost. You know, yeah, I get like, the feeling oh, yeah, that they're just kind of... Oh, yeah, you're independent, but, like, not not, not independent enough <laughs> that we can sanction you again, but, like, you're not, you know, uh, uh, you're not uh, affiliate enough to kick you out of the tournament. You know, it's back and forth, I suppose. Yeah, I think Ottawa Fury almost had the CSA up against the walls in terms of being able to say, hey, we're, we're a club and we're leaving the NASL, and you can't really tell us we're not leaving the NASL and we're going to join the USL and you can either sanction us or not sanction us but if you don't sanction us then you're going to have a lot of trouble to deal with we're going to have a lot of issues to deal with there's going to be lawyers and courts and uh, stuff drawn out in the news and it would make everyone look really bad and I don't think there's a whole lot to lose in terms of letting Ottawa Fury play in the USL and letting Ottawa Fury play in the Canadian Championship um, because they are they're doing what the CSA should be doing most and that's helping bring up young canadian players which is what they're doing right at the end of the day it's all about what's best for the players and to springboard off of off of building canadian talent um i compare canada to jamaica in that there's a lot of them in usl now um 
you know, maybe I guess uh, to to hone it in on Ottawa, since the Fury have have existed as a as a men's team, maybe even as a as a women's team uh, early on, what is kind of the uh, player pool in in Canada looked like, and have have Fury helped shape that at all? What happens in Canada is you get a team that starts in a city, and it takes a couple of years and. After a couple of years, people start to realize that there was someone who was from this city who played soccer, and they've gone off somewhere else, and they've slowly become a professional, and now they're going to come back to this city, and they're going to play for their hometown. And I think that's what really kind of, what really makes the community feel as though, wow, we can, we have professional soccer in our city, and one of our star players is a player who's from this city and was raised here. So I'll give you an example. At Toronto FC, it was uh, Dwayne De Rosario. Um, he was born and raised in Scarborough, just outside Toronto, and he was one of their first players, and people loved him, and he was a cult hero there. Uh, same I mean, with Julian de Guzman, who plays like with Ottawa top Fury. All-time MLS players, right? Yeah. I believe be so, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for Ottawa Fury, it took them a while to kind of convince, I don't want to say convince the city that we had a professional club, but to convince supporters and fans in the city that this was something that was really building... Um, building up the game not only in the city but in the country and right now they have eddie edward a defender who was born and raised in ottawa um we got him from fc montreal or sorry from fc edmonton um and he's a ottawa valley boy last year we had maxim tiso who is also from ottawa uh, actually from gatineau just across the river but he's uh he just signed with dc united today i actually believe and then finally, there's Jamar Dixon, who plays for Ottawa and with the Canadian men's national team. And he's from Ottawa, born and raised. So I think that's something big that happens in Ottawa. Um, in Toronto, Montreal's had it the same. Uh, they've had a couple players, actually, who have been Ottawa, born and raised, and have stuck around for quite a while. So I think in Canada, that's what helps build the game, is having these kind of local heroes that can kind of come around uh, and show the kids look, you can come from this city and you can play for this city and you can play for the team you want to play for. Um, and it's almost those kind of small, small little stories that really build the game across the country, I find. Mm. As cheesy as that might sound. No, no, no. I, I, think, that's, I think that's true in every, in every club uh, at every level. You know, you, you have, uh, you know, and, and to the point where even, you know, MLS incentivizes that in a way with their homegrowns. They'll say, you know, if you have a guy and you bring him up through your system, you know, we'll, uh, we'll cut his salary a little bit. And, and from a fan base perspective, the homegrown guys that we've had here, even though they're terrible at points, Zach Pfeffer, hi, um, <laughs> the, the community latches on to these guys. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. And I, I think, uh, and this isn't just because you're here, I actually do think uh, the Canadian men's national team, at the very least, I know that the women do well, um, as it is, uh, and they, they hosted a World Cup, but the men's national team is on the is on the rise. Like Concacaf is not going to be this you know Mexico U.S. slugfest for uh, for you know many more years at the rate we're going. Uh, the Canada men's national team, you can do a whole episode on that. But they're uh, <laughs> they're an emo- they're like being in an emotionally damaging relationship because you want mm. to love them, but you love to hate them, and it's just. It's extremely frustrating, but they are slowly, slowly, slowly going in the right direction. I've always said since about for about 18 months now that Mark DeSantos, the old Fury 
coach uh, now with San Francisco Deltas. He should be the head coach of Team Canada, and I think he would take them in the right direction. Um, but there are an incredible amount of young Canadians who are in their late teens, early 20s, who have started playing soccer in this country since it started, stopped being a, a spectator sport and started being something you can actually build a career out of and places that you can go join an academy. Um, you don't have to go abroad anymore to train to become a professional. So these people are finally starting to come up through the ranks, and I think the game is definitely uh, it's going to be taking off. I think it'll take off a lot faster in Canada, say, in the next 10 years than it took for the States over the course of maybe 20, 25 years to, mm-hmm. to get to the point where you guys can have your own culture and your own... Um, and your own system that is self-functioning because right now Canada kind of leans on the leans on the US system a bit in terms of all of our clubs playing in your leagues sure yeah uh, yeah uh, Stu I, I do this with Stu, everybody, I, I do this um, with everybody. You have, you've um, had literally no time to prepare for this question, question so I'm excited uh, for people who are not already fans of, of Ottawa Fury SC Basically, Basically, appeal to the appeal masses. To the Make masses. your pitch for, for, for Ottawa Fury. Ottawa Fury are a, a small club who have been run by, as I mentioned earlier in the show, run by the same president since 2005. This guy's helped. He came from England. His name's John Pugh. Uh, he wanted to just build the game in Ottawa. He did that with the women's team. He did that with the men's team. He's kept building them up and up and up. Um their front of house is a lot of the same people who were there long before the NASL since the PDL days. It's almost like a little family-operated club that's owned by OSEG, who pulls strings at times, but they allow Fury to kind of stay very community-oriented. They do a lot of charity. It's a very big family. They use the hashtag Fury family quite a lot. Um, the supporters are all a tight-knit group. Uh, when we went to the championship final in New York, the squad, uh, the club had helped the supporters organized buses to get them all down to the game so that no one missed the game uh, down to New York. So Ottawa Fury are a team that if you want to support a club in the USL, you should support them because they're like that mom and pop shop that you don't want Walmart to overtake. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we, we should That's also great. mention we have, we have not yet uh, Lansdowne Park, which I was told to, to, to call it that um, because it, it's, it's uh, anyway, Second largest stadium in USL behind FC Cincinnati, who have renovated and cheated to make it 35,000. You guys sit at 24. Uh, the Red Blacks play there. It's really pretty. I just looked at pictures. I haven't been. I'll, I'll have to try to get up there at some point in my life. Um, yeah, no, no, really solid pitch. Um, I, I like the idea of, of the Ottawa Fury being my favorite coffee shop that I don't want to be running the Starbucks, if I can edit <laughs> that a little bit. Um because they'll burn their beans every time, and like I'm not—that's not what I'm about. Um, Stuart, I, I guess uh, before I, I, I let you go, after I have trapped you uh, in that undisclosed location, um, I, give us a way too early prediction for for Ottawa Fury uh, in their inaugural year in in USL. In USL champions. Great, cool. <laughs> you and everybody else. I love it. There's going to be uh, 30 champions this year. Well, 15. For no, I... Uh, honestly, I, a month ago, I would have said they'll finish either just out of a playoff position or in one of the lowest playoff positions. Okay. Um, 
now I saw them play against a local development team. I watched them play a friendly that was streamed from Florida against St. Louis FC. Um, I do not believe it was St. Louis's strongest team from what I could gather. Um, we played um, Energy OKC. We beat both of them. They're both USL teams, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I felt really, really good about what Ottawa Fury were doing on the pitch. I thought they looked strong, confident. Watching them, I was like, of course, these guys are going to be champions. But then I had to kind of take it with a grain of salt <laughs> um, with kind of who we were playing and the fact that these weren't going to be the strongest teams. But maybe Ottawa Fury is not as strong as they can be right now. But I genuinely feel after finally getting to see the team play for the first time together, both live and on TV, that they're definitely a playoff contender. Um, and I would actually be quite shocked and upset. I think they would fall below expectations if they failed to make the playoffs because I think they're coming in with a lot of uh, with a lot of foundation behind the club with the years in the NASL and uh, it's not like it's a first year expansion year for them. This is going to be the real thing. Douglas has got something to prove. It's his second year at the club and uh, if things don't go well, he could be gone. So I think there's a lot of pressure on everyone to succeed and I think they've got the team the team ready to at least. Hmm. Um, I, I lied a little bit. Uh, where can where can people go to find you on, on the internet? You guys can find me on Twitter at FuryFanatic, all one word. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Fair enough. Uh, I, I also lied. You literally pinged me right after I said it. Uh, you're not a part of ours as the Fury. I'm adding people to their, their podcast without knowing it. Uh, yeah, so basically however, ours is the Fury... Sorry, Ours is a Fury is an amazing podcast. Suggest anyone listens to it because they're going to be covering it during the USL uh, season, I believe. Yeah. Um, good friends with I, John Eden, and I think you guys had asked him if he could participate, but he was unable to, and I he did. was kind enough to send, yeah. me, uh, to send you my info. I, I, uh, I, he, he passed you on to us. However, I, uh, it's actually, I'll share it only because I think it's funny. I, uh, I asked John two, three weeks ago maybe if they, if they had any interest in coming on, and he said, uh, sure. Sure. Uh, I'll have to listen to you guys because I've been out of the country for six months and don't really know a whole lot about what's going on right now. Uh, that being said, he did know that Ottawa Fury is playing in the USL this year, so at least we have that covered. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, give those guys a listen. Uh, I'm sure they will pop up uh, somewhere, somehow, related to one of the three of us. Uh, that being said, uh, Brendan or Ryan, do you guys have anything else to add before I, uh, I do the whole... Where do people find you thing? Uh, just that uh, immediately after last off season or last the end of last NASL season, um, there were some questions about how many players Ottawa would carry over to USL, um, and then you know they brought a, a strong contingent there, and then um, they didn't just sign random guys; they signed a lot of guys who had experience playing in the pro leagues before, um, but still kind of young. Eh, I don't know, twenty-five year old young veterans, if that's a thing. Um, so I was, I was pretty confident about Rochester's chances against Ottawa, but Ooh. you know they retained they retained a good core and added players with experience. So, yeah, it's not it's not looking like it's going to be an easy trip. It's the rare admission of we're maybe not looking so great from from Brendan. Yeah, not used to those. <laughs> that was great. I'm glad we're making progress in our relationship, Brendan. Ryan, anything else uh, on your end? Just best of luck to the Fury this year, and I mm. definitely think that they'd be the 
have potential to be the best team from Canada and the USL, and that's including the Whitecaps out in the West. Wow. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll springboard off of that. I'll say best of luck, but like not against Bethlehem Steel. Um, <laughs> any other team, like feel free, but, uh, but against us, just, just rein in a little bit. Uh, Brendan, if Louisville City fans specifically would like to spew their hatred towards you, uh, where could they do that? I would use your handle, but I don't know how to spell your last name. Um, so you can get at me. <laughs> oh, the at, advantages. Uh, at uh, Doherty Soccer. That's D-O-H-E-R-T-Y Soccer. There you go. Uh, Ryan, uh, what, okay, so it's a two-part question. One, where can people find you on Twitter? And then uh, what's the airport code for Wilmington? <laughs> so people can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan, and yeah. ILM is the airport code for Wilmington. Oh. Shit, really? Wow. All right, great. Cool. I'm glad. They're, uh, those were totally related. I promise. I'll, I'll talk about it uh, once we stop recording because I can't think of a bullshit excuse. Uh, if you guys are looking for me, uh, please don't. It's creepy. Um, at Valella, that's V as in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A. I've been saying that for nine weeks at Brendan, and he still hasn't gotten it. BSFC uh, on the Twitters. Uh, elsewhere, uh, I don't know. I write for Brotherly Game, and uh, I'm not giving you anything else because that's that's all you deserve. Uh, that being said, this was episode nine of Eastern Conference Confidential. We're part of the the, the beautiful Game Network of podcasts that the the lovely Mike Sparks was so kind to have us on with. Uh, go find us on there at bgn.fm. We're also on uh, on Stitcher and I think iTunes and uh, uh, other places. Uh, we usually tweet the episode anyway, so we'll be fine. Oh, yeah, there you go. At ECCPod is our Twitter. Give us a follow. Usually we'll ask you for questions and such, but this was such a last-minute thing that I didn't get a chance to. I'm sorry. Uh, for all these lovely gentlemen, Stuart, uh, guys, thanks, Stuart, for being on. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Yeah, thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Weird. We'll do it in reverse. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, but besides that, uh, this is episode nine. We're, we're sounding off. It's going to be uh, either uh, St. Louis or uh, Tampa Bay next week. One of the two. I don't. Uh, we're going to have them cast lots like they're in a CONCACAF championship and can't <laughs> figure out a tiebreaker. Anyway, until next time, friends, thanks for listening to episode nine. We will see you next week. <laughs>